The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Great crowds were traveling with Jesus, and he turned and addressed them. If anyone comes to me without hating his father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not carry his own cross and come after me cannot not be my disciple. Which of you wishing to construct a tower does not first sit down and calculate the cost to see if there is enough for its completion? Otherwise, after laying the foundation and finding himself unable to finish the work, the onlookers should laugh at him and say, This one began to build but did not have the resources to finish. Or what king marching into battle would not first sit down and decide whether with 10,000 troops he can successfully oppose another king advancing upon him with 20,000 troops? But if not, while he is still far away, he will send a delegation to ask for peace terms. In the same way, any one of you who does not renounce all his possessions cannot be my disciple. The Gospel of the Lord. September 3rd, yesterday, is the feast of Pope St. Gregory the Great. He's one of the, one of the few saints of the church who has that title, the Great, added on to his name on account of the, the, the gift that he brought to the church and the number of, uh, just the, the profound impact that he has had upon the life of the church since his reign as the Holy Father. But he himself was a man who knew his weaknesses. He was one who was, he was, he was raised in the world and he left the world to join the monastery became a Benedictine monk and enjoyed living a life of, of quiet and prayer, of, of simple labor in, a, in, a, in the monastery. And yet he was elected the Holy Father. <laughs> so he was, he was in the world and then he was removed from the world and he was thrust back into the world. In writing in one of his reflections on the prophet Ezekiel, he lamented the fact that how so often he was easily able to be caught up in prayer in the monastery and yet... When he was busy about the things of the world, he so often found it easier to sin than to be caught up in the things of prayer, to be consumed with the stuff of the world and the things of God. In that same reflection, he also mentioned the fact that every, uh, every church, every community, in a sense, has a watchkeeper, one who's supposed to be set on the heights, who's, who's able to, to see the whole, the whole terrain as so as to guide the flock most effectively. And he said, and in proclaiming that, I automatically condemn myself, because I, the greatest of the shepherds of the church, the, the, the leader of the, of the Roman church, uh, I myself fall short of being a good watchkeeper. St. Gregory the Great is my patron saint. I took him as my confirmation saint uh, when I was in 11th grade, because he's the patron saint of musicians, and I wanted to be a rock star. So I figured the patron saint of musicians could help me reach that end. Uh, little did I know that I would, in fact, take a different route in following after him and become a watchkeeper myself, a watchman uh, in the pulpits, and to, and to be able to be called by Christ as a priest to look out and to, to try to watch the terrain and to see where it is that the flock is called to go. And much like St. Gregory, in doing so and in saying so, I have the joy of condemning myself, of 
standing here every single Sunday and proclaiming to you the things of God, knowing good and well that I don't exactly fulfill them perfectly myself. So if ever my homilies seem a little bit harsh and a little bit, uh, a little bit hard, uh, you're in good company because I'm preaching to myself. And I say that as well, especially in regards to the homily this weekend. The letter, to Saint, uh, the letter of St. Paul to Philemon is a beautiful letter, and it's a striking one. If anybody's ever had a, a desire to read a whole book of the Bible, you should read Philemon. It's one single chapter, and it'll make you feel good about things. I read a whole book of the Bible today. I encourage you to go read it. We got a, a portion of it here. But to go read the whole thing, even though we get the main part in what we just heard, the part of Paul, and how Paul is in prison, and he's writing letters to Philemon. Philemon, who has sent one of his slaves, Onesimus, to Paul in his imprisonment to help him, to care for him for a short time. Maybe he brought him a letter, some correspondence, or, or something of that nature. Maybe he sent him some bread and wine so he could offer the Eucharistic meal in the prison. We don't know. But Onesimus went, and he went to go serve Paul. And Paul says, I wish that I could keep him here for myself. I wish I could keep him, because he's like a son to me now. A brother, a friend. I love him with all my heart. And I wish I could keep him here with me. But I'm not. I'm sending him back to you, Philemon. But I'm sending him back a little bit different. He gives Philemon a, a challenge. He says, I want you to receive him back not as a slave, but as a brother. Not as a slave, but as a brother. He says, if you, if you regard us as friends, you and I, Paul and Philemon, if you regard us as friends, receive Onesimus, your slave, as if he were me, your father in faith. It's quite a challenge. To receive the slave as if he was our father in faith. As if he was the one who gave us life. The one over whom we rightly had, had some control, some power from Philemon's perspective. Whenever I came here to our community, I was warmly welcomed. There was little signs up at the rectory. Welcome, Father Brand. There's little balloons and all kinds of things. We had the reception and the cake and more cake, and the cake hasn't stopped in two years, much to my frustration. <laughs> but there's a very warm welcome that I received and was glad to receive. I know that's one of the trademarks of our, of our parish as well, and of really very much our local community, but also our parish inclusive, is being welcoming to others. That whenever people come from other places, they are warmly received and warmly welcomed, and rightly so, they should be. But the question I think the Lord invites us to reflect upon this weekend, especially in light of the story with Onesimus and Paul, is how do we receive those that are not coming from far away, but those that are right here in our community, but just haven't been here in a while? How do we welcome them? How do we welcome the ones who maybe have, have been strayed from the faith for a little while, have gone away for a few years, we haven't seen their face? What about the ones that maybe have, have done something or said something or they, they, they committed some, some, some sin uh, that we have deemed unforgivable and we hold it against them and we know it. We know what they've done. 
Maybe those that, that simply, they, they, they kind of, they're, they're, they're here, but they're not here. They're kind of in and out at different times, inconsistent. Maybe that them is me. <laughs> Maybe that is that I hold myself those things. How do we respond when people that we know and love come to church when we don't expect them to? A lot of times whenever we see it, it can be that response of Onesimus. We have the response of either we can keep in slavery but we can bind in freedom and welcome as a brother. Sometimes, again, it's those things. Maybe it's other stuff. Maybe it's just that they make us uncomfortable. Maybe it's somebody who's a little bit different from us. But how easy it can be for us to hold something against someone else and make them as a slave. Again, it can be the, the, the sins of the past. It can be the, the absence from mass. It can be, it can be just the you know, simple whatever characteristic flaws that we, that we don't like in them. Whatever it can be, but we allow it to be a binding force that separates us, that excludes them, that doesn't welcome exactly. When in fact Christ calls us to freedom, all of us, to be freed. Whenever we welcome somebody in church that we haven't seen in a while, there's a number of responses that we can have. And one of the things that I think is natural in us, there's a, a, a difficulty sometimes just in how to respond. What do we say? There's a sense in which we have to acknowledge that we're happy to see them. Rightly so. I think we usually are. Most of us aren't upset when people show up to church. <laughs> so we're happy to see them. But I think sometimes there's that difficulty of how do I address the fact that I'm happy to see you and yet I haven't seen you in a while? Where have you been? And so when, when we say that, we try sometimes to break, it, to break the ice a little bit with humor. But the humor sometimes comes with a little dagger in the back of it. Wow, I haven't seen you here in a while. Who let you in this place? Man, I hope the walls of the church don't fall in. Did the holy water sizzle when it touched your head? We laugh, but these are things that I've heard come from the, people, the lips of people as I've stood at the entrance of a door of a church, sometimes in our own parish. And I know people who have told me that exact same thing. They said they walked in the church and they went for the first time in a long time and they felt like the Lord was leading them back to church and they were welcomed with one of those greetings and they turned around and walked out the door and never came back. Never came back. How much our words can have an impact. I got an email this week from a young man that I was ministering to in youth group and I thought I was doing something well. I thought I said the right thing. And he sent me an email this week. He said, Father Brown, I just want to let you know that I haven't been to church in four years on account of you. Something I said. I thought I was doing the right thing. I thought I was saying the right thing. I hadn't stepped foot in the church because of me. Our words have great power. Great power. For ill, but also for good. When someone comes in the door that we haven't seen in a while, what's the proper response? Good morning. Period. <laughs> hey, good to see you. Welcome. 
How's your, how's your family? How's the kids? How's, how's so-and-so? How's, how about them tigers or saints or pick a more pleasant topic to talk about? <laughs> Anything. Anything. But to be able to simply love the other person who comes in. Again, the temptation a lot of times, because the, the, the tension within us wants to resolve. But everybody knows it's there. It's just to show love. To love the other person. Period. This morning, the Holy Father celebrated the canonization of now Saint Teresa of Calcutta, Mother Teresa. Thanks be to God, we can call her a saint now. I don't have to keep correcting myself. And so St. Teresa of Calcutta was a woman who also provides us an extra little encouragement this weekend in that same regard, to welcome the other, to love the other, even when they may be entirely different than us, entirely unlovable in a sense from a worldly view. She shows us how to love. She gives us a concrete way. In the community, the missionaries of charity that Mother Teresa founded, each morning they would have a holy hour in community, and then they would, they would have Mass offered. So every day they would spend an hour in prayer in their chapel before the Blessed Sacrament. And then they would have Mass. And then they would go off and they would do their work serving whoever it was, whatever mission it was that they went out to serve that day. And on several accounts, various sisters came forward to ask her in different scenarios and said, Mother, we spend so much time in the chapel. What if we just cut that time in half? Maybe did 30 minutes in prayer, and then did Mass, and then went out, we'd be able to serve that many more people. We'd be able to be that much more effective in our community. Isn't that what we want, Mother? Mother Teresa wisely responded, it's only because we know the Lord Jesus here in our time of prayer, in our Mass, it's only that we know Him and love Him here that we can see Him out there to serve Him. If we lose Him here, We can't find him there. So as the Lord invites us the same, that whenever we come to Mass, whenever we find ourselves with the opportunity to pray in church, to know that there we can find our Lord. We can come to know Jesus, to love Jesus, to be loved by Jesus. And only in doing those things can we go forth to the doors of the church and beyond and see Christ in other people. Until then, we'll only be able to bind up in chains. But in Christ Jesus, we can bring freedom. And so we pray the grace of the Lord to be with us today. That the intercession of St. Gregory the Great and St. Teresa of Calcutta, that we will be able to draw close to the Lord Jesus in this Mass. We will be able to know Him a little bit more, to be able to love Him more deeply. That we might be able to go forth to see Him, to serve Him, and to bring freedom to our brothers and sisters around us.